take a breath. Take a deep, deep breath. You know, it's September long weekend, and it's interesting, I always find September long weekend kind of fascinating because in many ways, it's more like a new year than New Year's Day is, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, life kind of revolves around, you know, school schedules and church schedules. Uh, so often, we start about thinking, well, things start new again in September, and we go kind of through May, June, and then take this summer break, and then, and then we dive in again to the new year. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how, how this is kind of like um, a mountain top that we can stand on and we can take a deep, deep breath of that fresh, good mountain air and we can look back at the things that have gone in the past year and we can also look ahead with great anticipation to the good things that God has for us in this year coming up. And so let's, let's begin by sort of imagine yourself up on this mountain and we're going to take a deep, big breath and enjoy the fragrance, first of all, of what God has already done, what already is around us. You know, it's interesting that a couple of years ago, maybe you saw this, but do you know that there's a company, Vitality Air, and they sell in bottles fresh air from Alberta. It's true. For 60 bucks, you can get two cans of of air from from Jasper. But for $32, you can get some fresh air from Lake Louise, and they ship it to China and to different places. It's a true story. So you can look it up. Vitality Air. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to sort of stand on this mountain, and let's take a bit of a deep breath on this September long weekend before we, you know, before we kind of dive into the new year. Man, you know, I've got one of these personalities, the truth is all the tests show it, that, that every day is a new day for me. It's kind of weird. Whether yesterday was a great success or yesterday was a great miserable failure, it's kind of left behind. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But, but you know, the truth is that, that it's good sometimes to look back and to remember things. That's why God built it into his people to, to take some time to take a deep breath and look back around. We see this uh, right away in, in Genesis. Because in Genesis, remember, we read this. Remember when the rainbow appears in the clouds and see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and the living creatures, every kind on earth. He said, look, there's a, I'm going to put you this rainbow and you remember that one time the earth, I kind of wrecked it, but I'm not going to do that with water again. And you remember that I'm God. And then uh, built into the, into the weekly practice was the Sabbath. Every Saturday, starting Friday night, sundown until Saturday uh, sundown, said this, remember when you were slaves in Egypt that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Why? To remember this good thing that you were a slave, you were kept in some of these chains and of addiction and stuff that we just finished singing about, and remember that I brought you out of these things. It's good to remember. They had feasts. The great big feasts of, of Passover and tabernacles and Purim. They were feasts. And why were they there? They were because God said, listen, I want you to just pause for a minute and think back of all the good things that have happened. Breathe deep into this fresh fragrance of the joys of this past year. When I thought about that, just in part of our uh, community life, man, several things came to mind. First of all, I am so thankful that this last year we could gather together as a people together without masks and singing and all of those kind of things. I'm just so thankful that we got to do that again and sing these songs and, and to see each other and to smile at each other and all of these things. It was a good thing. In particular, 
in particular those that want Kids Serve Sunday. Kids Serve Sundays are always a highlight, you know, where people have poured their life into kids and the children's ministries and so on. And, and then we have these kids uh, serve in, in different ways. It was just such an amazing delight. And there was just this incredible buzz around the congregation about how marvelous these kids did leading us in worship. It was just, it's a, breathe deep. It was just a great thing to have happen and to enjoy and be a part of. And then, of course, the small groups we had our, once a month, we, we kept our small group going just once a month through the summer, mostly to eat, because that's kind of my favorite thing. And we had it just this past week, you know, had people over, and it's just good to have been in a small group where we could be known and we could, you know, be safe with each other and talk with each other and pray with each other and study his word together and talk about things. All of it's just a great thing. And then, you remember, even in the midst of, of darkness, even in the midst of tragedy, we can breathe deep of the fragrance of the good things of God. You might remember, Dave was up here preaching and the Ukrainian-Russian war had just sort of broken out just a few weeks before. And he said this outlandish thing. He said, you know what? It was on the Passion Ephesians. You know, God will do exceedingly more than that. He said, listen, why don't we see if we can raise $10,000 for refugees in the Ukraine? We're just going to do it. We're just going to have a small time. It's just going to be a couple of weeks. And we're going to try and come up with $10,000 to feed and clothe and house refugees from this war. And you didn't give $10,000. You gave $17,000 for the refugees that we were able to send over to some people that we have in connection with that. And I just breathe in that fragrance of the beauty of, of feeding and help house and give a safe bed for people who are escaping war for marginal thing. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we had another refugee situation. I said, okay, you know, we need to raise this money for this refugee kind of a deal. And, but, you know, you can't do it through the blah, blah, blah. I stood up here. So if you want to help, just come and tell me. I couldn't keep up with everybody handing me 50s and 100s and 20s and all these kind of things and we're able to help this refugee house. I mean, these, these things are fragrances as I stand on this mountaintop and look back over this last year. Marvelous, great things that we did. And then another highlight thing was the day of fasting and prayer that we had. You guys kind of led that. It was just such a spiritual... I don't know, what, I can't even say what the word is. It was just such a great time to worship together and to pray together and to be together. And all the people that were there just wonderful. As a matter of fact, the elders came back and said, you know what, we need to have these a couple of times a year, so we're going to have another one here on October the 1st. And if you weren't a part of this last one, you know, I just, I just encourage you to be a part of it, to plan on it October 1st and be a part of it. It's going to be, it's going to be a great thing. So this, this, as I look past this last year, oh, that smells good. And then if I think about the summer, huh, what a great family camp. What a fun time that was. Just to be together and to visit and to enjoy each other. <laughs> I, just, I just watched the kids on that slip and slide unending, right? I mean, you couldn't shut it down. We had a bunch of other things planned, but it was useless because the kids were on the slip and slide. And so it was just there. And it was just a great, a great thing. And then, and then we had a day camp. With lots of kids, 50-some kids and lots of helpers. Listen, I got to help out one day. I can't tell you the joy it was for me to sit in the, in the dining room of our camp and watch Kara and John Skew interact with these kids. And John was dressed up as Pharaoh and not letting my people go. And, and it, just watching the kids' excitement and yelling back and forth. You know, Kara is so gifted at working with these kids. And it was just... It was just a marvelous thing to see all these kings and John Scoop. It was just a great, great thing. They go over to our Mission Heights site, and so some of you perhaps don't know them. Tremendous people, great ministers of, of, of Christ. Marvelous people. And it was just such a marvelous, marvelous, fun thing to be a part of and to see and to watch the kids 
be excited about learning about Jesus and all those things. What a, what a great time. And then, of course, got to go on vacation. What a blessing to live in a nation in a time and in a place where we can go on vacation. Just get away and, and be together. And, and some of us are involved in, in a few weddings over the summer and just see the celebration of love and of God's gift of people to each other. I mean, there's just so much that we can stand on the top of this mountain and look back and just, just breathe in the fragrance, all the good things that God has done in this past year in our lives and in the kingdom and in this fellowship. But on the top of the mountain, you not only look back to how it's been and that deep breath of the fragrance of the beauty of God's goodness over this past year, but it's also we can deep in, take in a deep breath and prepare for the journey ahead, prepare to dive in to what's going to happen here in September. You know, as I was thinking about that, and I think about the ministry of the church and where we're going in this next year and the things that God has planned for us. There's a passage in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, you see it, chapter, uh, chapter 3, that I just can't get away from when I think about this sort of thing. Now, let me just set it up a little bit. Uh, Corinthians is a church in Corinth, it's kind of like in Greece, and it was a place that... Paul, the Apostle Paul, established that church and they were all good with him and all this kind of thing. And then some other people came in and they were highfalutin preachers. They came in and they were very gifted with their oratory and they could speak very well and they had these letters of reference from other people. It's kind of the way that they did that in culture. And you could be a speaker and you could go in and these guys began to call down the Apostle Paul. And... Um, in many ways, if you want to know the, see the Apostle Paul's heart when it's broken, read 2 Corinthians because, because he's just heart shattered. That these people that he'd given his life to, these people that he loved were kind of turning against him because these, these showy guys had come into town and were sort of, you know, where the flash boys and, you know, who's that Paul? He's not much of a preacher and what good is he? You haven't seen him for a while, all this kind of thing. Okay, so that's what's going on. Now, then we come to chapter 3. And so 2 Corinthians, Paul's kind of defending his apostleship in a little bit. Because it's not fresh air he's breathing. It's kind of a bit of a, a bit of a stink. And this is what he says. Listen. All we begin is commend ourselves again. Because that's one of the things they accused him of. You know, to give yourself a pat on the back. Or do we need to? Like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you. These, these guys are coming in. See, I'm a highfalutin traveling preacher guy. You yourselves are our letter. And you're written on our hearts. Known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone. This is that passage we looked at, you know, in Jeremiah a few weeks ago. But on tablets of the human hearts. Now here we go, here's the important part. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence, our sufficiency, our ability to do things comes from God. He has made us competent as servants or ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Holy Spirit gives life. Gives life. What Paul is saying to each one of us, to you and to me, is simply this. As we dive into this next year of kingdom life and of kingdom ministry and of kingdom work, we need to dive in with confident competence. Confident competence. Try saying that 10 times fast. 
Look, really, try it. Confident, competent, confident, competent, competent. I can't do it. Try it on your drive home with your kids. Confident, competence. This is how we need to look at We stand on this mountain and we take in this deep breath as we think about this next year and the God that has for you in your personal lives, in your ministry life, in this church, we need to address it with confident competence. That's honestly how we should approach this next year in our participation in the kingdom. You know, so often, fear holds us back. I don't know about you, but have you ever had this time where you just kind of had it laid on your heart? You know, I should give Sally a call. I should give Joe a call or whatever. And, and just kind of just see how they're doing. I don't know why. I was just, you know, going along and they've just been in my heart and my mind. And, and you reach for the horn. And then before you know it, you put it away. Because you say, oh, that's just dumb. What am I going to say? Hi. Just wondering how you're doing. No, no. Just, I mean, and so all of a sudden, we, we, I don't know, we can talk ourselves out of all kinds of crazy things. Just the simplest thing, because fear can just sort of hold us back from the things that we could do. Fear. You know, when we did a little study a few years ago, it's uh, people involved in the various ministries in the church and around the church. What holds you? I mean, we know you've got passions. We know you've got things that you're interested in. We know that you see things in the kingdom and in your community and in the church, things that need to be changed. Why don't you dive in? Why don't you jump in and give it a shot? We're scared. We're afraid. Can't do it. We don't have this confident confidence. How do we get this confidence that Paul is writing about here? Well, here's the trick. The best place to begin as God calls you to make a kingdom difference in lives is to think, I can't do that. I'm insufficient. I'm scared. Well, why do I say that? Because if you take a look at what it says here in this Corinthian passage, what he says is that, listen, we have confidence through Christ Toward God. We have confidence through Christ toward God. What he's saying is that, listen, we realize that this, this calling that God has on my life, this life that we're supposed to live, this joy we're supposed to shed, this grace we should follow us everywhere we go, leaving this trail of grace and love and kindness behind us. Man, it's kind of, it's kind of I can't do that. And he said, no, 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 you do it because you realize that you are inadequate to live the Christian life and I am inadequate to Christian life. I'm inadequate for putting grace out and meeting every challenge I have with, with love and forgiveness and kindness and goodness. I'm inadequate for that, but the Holy Spirit, in Christ I'm adequate. The sufficiency is in God. That's the confidence that we can have. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence on God. Because you see, it's God who grants the competence, the sufficiency. The idea is that God will make you sufficient for whatever task he preferred for you to complete before the creation of the world. Before you were born, God had in mind the kingdom difference that you are going to make. And it's scary and we think we can't. And God says, no, 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 you need to understand. Just depend on my sufficiency. You know, the word, I don't know, uh, it, several of the scholars, and when I was studying this passage, they pointed out this thing all the time because they just keep talking about God there, right? Confidence in Christ, sufficiency in Christ toward God. I said, you know, one of the, one of the big names for God 
In the Old Testament, is El Shaddai. Have you heard that? You've heard that? El Shaddai, and you sing a song. Anyway, what that, what that name basically means is the all-sufficient one. The all-sufficient one. The God of light who is all-sufficient. It's one of the interpretations. And so listen, what Paul's writing is he's saying, listen, Alan, you recognize that you're insufficient. You recognize that you're incompetent. <laughs> but that's okay. Because what I want you to do is I want you to find your sufficiency in the all-sufficient one. You see that? Find your sufficiency in the all-sufficient one. Find your competence in the all-competent one. And when we do that, when we realize that, yes, I'm incompetent, yes, I'm insufficient, yes, it's kind of scary, and for some things, you know, one thing's scary for one person, another thing's scary for another, whatever it is, then we realize that, listen, yeah, I understand that, but I can go into this calling with confidence because I am finding my competence in the all-sufficient God who will equip me and give me boundless sufficiency. Well, how does he do that? How does he make us competent? As we stand on this mountaintop and we look ahead and we think, man, I've got quite a bit of stuff ahead of me this year. Maybe not only in the ministry that I have to do, but in life itself and the challenges that we face and who knows what's going to happen. As we take, how does he do that? Verse 6 tells us. He does it by the Holy Spirit. And what he says to do is to stand up on top of this mountain and take in this deep, deep breath of the Holy Spirit. Because that is how God equips us to give us our sufficiency. It's always the way that God has worked. You know, it's interesting because Scott and I were talking about this whole thing. We we're trying to, because it's a Sunday, you know, we're sort of, you know, it's one of the good things looking backwards. For me, this summer was, was diving into Hesed again and what that all means. And, and, but then, and now we're going to start, next week we start our new series on Philippians and the whole issue of joy, which is going to be kind of our theme for this next year, is joy. But we've got this in-between September long weekend. And as I was thinking about that, I said, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I just get this sense of Take a breath, take a deep breath, because that's kind of what September is, right? You take this breath, it's your last bit of a break before you dive in. And Scott said, I was thinking exactly the same thing. So, anyway, so, but then sometime a few days later, Scott comes into my office and he says, Alan, it's always good Scott comes into my office, because then I know what to say. He comes in and he says, Alan, you know, I was just thinking about this whole breath and the spirit, because of course spirit and breath is the same Word, right? We've talked about that before. He says, you know, God always does that. I and mean, he starts off with, in Genesis, what does he do? He breathes into us and we become a living being. And Jesus breathes into us, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, into the apostles. And it's this whole thing is that God himself breathes into you and into us his holy, life-giving breath. And the invitation for each one of us this morning is to welcome in a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. To think about what lies ahead. And it, it can be, I know it can be challenging. 
But to think about those things and to understand that what God tells us to do is to keep on coming back. He doesn't use, sometimes he doesn't use the breath. He sometimes he uses the idea of drinking in the Spirit. He says, you know, be filled again and again and again with the Holy Spirit because we lose it, right? Do you know that right now, you can ask God for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Right now, when you think about, oh man, I got this ahead of me, you can... Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Because God delights to fill you up with His Spirit. He delights to equip you and empower you and encourage you and fill you with love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and power. And any time during the day when you feel it slipping, because it slips, as a follower of Jesus, you can, you can just stop for a minute and go back onto that mountaintop. And ask God to breathe afresh into you and empower and equip and change you. Because he loves to gift us with his gift of the Holy Spirit. And as we stand up there and we think of the fragrance of what God has done in the past and we breathe that in and we look ahead and it might feel a little jittery for us. You just take a deep breath of that Holy Spirit so that you're ready to dive in. In one last, one last sort of bit here, I was praying about this whole thing, you know. And, and as I was praying, I was thinking about the needs of the world, the needs of our city. <coughs> Kathleen was telling me just last week after we talked about, you know, supporting uh, Servants Anonymous and trying to get women out of the sex, being sold into sex trade. She said, you know, Grand Prairie's got one of the worst problems for this. And, this sort of thing. But, you know, you just look around at all the problems and it's like, Lord, it's like, it's like the needs of the world and the brokenness of the world is just like this ocean. How are we going to... And, and as I was praying about this, it's kind of, I, think, I think God gave me this kind of this, this image of an ocean of this need, but alongside the ocean, you know what's alongside the ocean? is a beach of sand. And I really got this sense of, you know what, we can build a beach against an ocean of need. Because as I prayed about that, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit whispered to me, you know, Alan, <laughs> you know, this, this beach that you got a picture of that's miles long with this massive ocean, you know what beaches are made of? Little grains of sand. Just little grains of sand. And when they're all put together, it makes this marvelous, wonderful, enjoyable, beautiful beach. You know, we can all contribute a, grace of, a, a grain of sand to that beach. 
We can all go through our day just dropping little grains of sand of grace, little expressions of spirit-empowered grace and love and kindness. And if we all just kind of go along with this, with this little grain of sand that we have, this little handful in the palm of our hand of, 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 of God's grace and goodness, and it's just a little kind of a bit, but if every single follower of Jesus in the world just went through their day just dropping little grains of grace sand wherever they went, before you know it, there's a beach. There's a beach of beauty and relaxation and rest and goodness holding back and going against an ocean of need. Just a little grain of sand. You see, all of us can drop a grain of sand of blessing to the people that serve us in the stores and in the gas stations and in the hospitals and wherever it is we go with our All of us can drop that little grain of sand. All of us can drop a grain of sand of forgiveness when people hurt us or speak against us or annoy us, we can all drop a little grain of sand of grace into those situations. And I'll bet you that there's 10 or so of us who are equipped to teach Sunday school and just drop little grains of sand into the lives of kids who so desperately need to know a God who loves them. Just a grain of sand. Surely 10 of us, God can equip to, to you know, just drop that grace of sand, that grain of sand into their life. Surely, surely six of us or so, the, the Holy Spirit can equip to join our youth ministry team and, and pour grace and love and kindness and goodness and hope and truth into teenagers. We, man, we'll take as many as we can get, but we especially need mature women who will just sort of drop grace and show an example to teenage girls of what it is to be a woman who pursues God with all of your heart. Surely 10 of us can say, well, you know what? I'm not very sufficient. I'm not very competent, but by the spiritual power, I'll, I'll get up there and I'll, I'll sing and I'll, I'll practice my musical instruments so that we can multiply our team so that people can worship. Surely five or six of us can realize that all of our kids go to the same school. And hey, maybe, maybe the four or five of us, maybe we can make it our mission this year, to make the teachers of this school, to make it their best year of their school ever. That we can pray and ask God, well, how can we just bless these teachers? Who, well, man, they have got a tough job. And maybe there's five or six, you know, you realize, oh, well, we all go here and our kids go to the same school. You know what we're going to do this year? We're going to bless those teachers. Every time we turn around, we're going to do something so that those teachers know that they're appreciated. And we can drop little grains of grace of saying thank you or a gift or I don't know, whatever teachers want. I don't know what they have to find out, I guess. Surely, a couple of Bible studies can hear what Louis said about the need for this food drive coming up at the food bank, which we kind of started. And have a pickup and a team of four or five just go around and be a part of the Roshi food drive and just have little drops of grace so that the hungry can eat. Little grains of sand. Little acts of grace and of goodness and of kindness and of truth and of teaching that we can drop wherever we go and leave this trail behind us. And honestly, if we do that, a beach will appear. 
a beach will appear. So, I, you know, I thought about, man, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little bag and I'm going to give everybody a little bag of sand just to remind them that our sufficiency is in Christ before God and as we take a deep breath of the Spirit, we can drop little, little grains of grace wherever we go. And then I started thinking, Janae is going to kill me. <laughs> God, he's spilling sand all over the place. Because the problem with sand is it gets everywhere and you can't get rid of it, right? You think you got rid of it and two weeks later, what the sand in my ear? I thought, man, you know, that's so much like grace. It's so much like love. It's so much like these little grains of grace you can drop at the grocery store with a teller who's having a hard time. And the next time you're there, they'll remember you. Because you see these little drops of grace, of love and of kindness, it's, it's like sand. Once it's there, it, you can't get rid of the stinking stuff. And it shows up again somehow in your heart and your memory when you least expect it. And we so desperately need that right now. Right. Do you know, they just, Angus Reed just did a survey there, released it in April. And uh, 47% of Canadians say religion, 50-50, whether it's good or bad in society. 22% of Canadians say Christianity is bad for Canada, especially evangelicals, especially me, us, 22%. Because I don't think we've been dropping enough grains of grace. And as I was thinking about that, I was, I was thinking about Second Peter. In 2 Peter, the church was about to be persecuted. Things were heating up. There was a, a, a sense of negativity towards Christians in the Roman Empire. And so, so Peter, he writes this letter. And this is what he says. We need to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, and the gospel out there is that it's bad. And evangelicals are more of a poison than a blessing. Even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. They see your deeds of grace, your little grains of sand. And glorify God on the day that he visits us. You can read the passage. He goes on and says this in verse 15. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. By doing good. By dropping the sand. By finding that our sufficiency in God to do things that we feel foolish about and we feel scared about and we feel it's kind of dumb. Why would I say that? Why would I do this? Why would I drop this thing? And God uses it. So I don't have bags for everybody because I'm scared of Janaea. But on the communion tables, there's a few bags. 
12, 15 bags in each one or whatever. Because maybe you're like me, and for me, I just need these little reminders sometimes. When I think about the ocean of need, and I think about how scurry some of the things that God wants us to do are, I just need this little reminder on my desk for a few weeks. Man, we've just all got to take our little handful of sand. Our little handful of grace. And just drop that into people's lives. Because they won't be able to get rid of it. And though they may hear bad things about church and evangelicals because we've done bad things. They might have to say, yeah, but this person I work with, this person who's my neighbor, this person who takes time for my kid, they're not like that. They just kind of have these little gems of grace and goodness and kindness and forgiveness and gentleness that they drop into lives. <laughs> so if you need a bag, take a bag. But I want you to take a breath. Just take this weekend and take a breath. Take a deep, deep breath. And breathe in deeply and give thanks for the fragrance of the good things that God has done in your life. In you, through you, with you, around you over this past year. And as you prepare to dive into this next year, seeking the kingdom first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. As you make that the priority of your life heading into this September, take a deep breath of the Holy Spirit, a deep breath. Deep, deep breath from the all-sufficient God and in the power of the Spirit. Drop your grains of grace and let's build a beach against the ocean of the world's need. Almighty God, you are so, so good. You are so good. And in your goodness, sometimes it seems crazy to me, but in your goodness, you decide to spread your goodness through your people. And we confess that, man, man do we drop the ball. And, and if we listen to the world and society and the news, we realize how big time we drop the ball sometimes. And some of the things that are said about us are not true. But some of them are true. But this isn't new for your people. It's kind of always been that way. I suppose just up and down through history. But we think about Peter's words to live such good lives, lives of grace before people who don't yet believe that they have to, in spite of themselves, they have to say some good things about God. Lord, you've given us a handful of sand. Some of us have got big scoops and some of us have got little scoops. 
And you've given us this sand of grace to just drop in daily life and in focused ministry as we travel together. Help us, Holy Spirit, to remember that we can be confident because you are the all-sufficient Spirit and you make us sufficient. So come and fill us up again. Help us to breathe in deep the breath of life, the Holy Spirit, that we as individuals and as a church would be a people of gracious, loving power, leaving a trail of sand wherever we go. So next year we look back and see that you have built a beach. We pray through Christ. Amen.